Hey, welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast focused on holistic health, nutrition, biohacking, and more. I'm your host, Brittany Ford, registered holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed biohacker. During the last 10 years, I've focused on healing my gut and hormonal issues through lifestyle changes, nutrition, and of course, biohacks. And now I teach others to do the same. I'm so excited you're joining me today. So let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany, my podcast. I am super excited that you're listening. And today I actually have an old friend of mine on, um, Shannon Gregory. And this is like such an important episode because if anybody knows my very long health journey that I've been on since I was a teenager, one of the most important things that I ever did was a live blood cell analysis. And I've talked about this on my website. I've talked about this on other podcast episodes. Um, and the person who I did it through is Shannon. And she is here joining us and she's going to explain exactly what that is, um, what it can do for you, and really like the results that it can get you that you might not be able to find through other tests Um and through other methods. And so when I first did it with Shannon, I think it must have been like, I don't even know, 2012, something like that. Um, I had a lot of leaky gut that came up and a lot of gut health issues and, and, and parasites at that time too. And without doing this test, like I would have not known that my gut was in the state that it was. Um, this was much before like gut health was trending and like wellness was the thing and really even before Instagram. And so um, it really gave insight. And I'd, I just don't think I would have gotten that insight without this test. So this episode is really cool because it's very close to my heart because it helped me so much. And I hope that it can help you as well. So Shannon, welcome to the show. Hello there. Thank you very much for having me on. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. So you are the founder of Microcell Sciences, which is very cool because when we first started working together, that was not the case. That's right. Yeah. So tell me about your journey with that and like why, why this line of work in the first place? Well, live blood is just such an interesting thing. Um, I started off actually in optometry school. So it made sense to me in regards to magnification, things like that. After I got out of optometry school, I found I I just didn't want to do that. So live blood fell into my lap and I felt that it was the right fit for my knowledge that I had, for the uh, magnifications using microscopes, so on and so forth. Um, from that point, I've really kind of gone zero to 60 in the live blood area um, where I'm, I feel like I'm building the future of blood work because what I'm doing is I've now intertwined microbiology into each appointment um, and we discuss bacteria, parasites, what we're seeing, so on and so forth. So uh, it's it's been... Uh, 10 years of kind of building, building, building. Um, And then about five years ago when I I chose to open up the company, because what I wanted to do is, is I wanted to basically be like a life labs where in every major city, there is a, um, 
I have a clinic in which what I've done, I have clinics ranging in the Ontario area from Stony Creek all the way to Ajax, but I've also introduced being able to ship me samples. Um, I've had a drop-in service. I've done a lot of things to line up with your regular blood work that you would do, even though I'm looking at a different puzzle piece here. Amazing. So when are you opening one in BC and <laughs> I want to be involved? <laughs> I know. I'm asked all the time. Uh, right now, everybody from BC is shipping me the samples and I can get it in 10 hours, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, BC is not on the hit list. Uh, we're trying with you know COVID and everything, we're trying to build what we have here and then kind of expand or franchise in that uh, manner. Cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So how does a live blood cell analysis actually work? Amazing. So what I do is you will come in for an appointment and I will use a disposable lancet and prick your finger. From that point, you'll have a little bit of blood come up. I'll put it on a slide with a cover slip and then we've created numerous blood smears. In live blood, you don't want to look at only one sample. So when you come and see me or when you ship me a sample, you will send me two, three, or four samples. Because on a microbiology level, things, bacteria, pathogens hide. And you got to kind of search it out like Sherlock Holmes and look through the slide quite a bit uh, to be able to find what you're looking for. So from that point, we do bring the blood up on a screen and together in, if we are in with an appointment, we view the blood and I walk you through everything we're seeing. Um, If you ship the sample, I send you pictures, I send you a report, and then we discuss on the phone all of my findings. So that's how an appointment begins and is done. But it is incredibly fascinating because uh, I do, as you know, Brittany, I do have a lot of passion for this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tend to, you know, when we see things that are the root issue, for instance, somebody comes in with skin issues or somebody comes in that is bloating all the time or, you know, vomiting every Every morning. It is amazing when I can see the actual pathogens that may be causing these symptoms in these individuals. I find me personally, I'm getting a lot more chronic issues where my mm-hmm. staff are getting a bit more of the um, more mainstream issues. But I have really started focusing on more chronic infections and chronic issues uh, that people have because of my knowledge and what I've done in the microbiology aspect. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when so when I first came to you, yeah. um, it was so cool because you, like you said, like you prick your finger yep. and then you see the blood on the computer screen. And I think the the red blood cells are still alive for, I think it's 20, 25 minutes, right? Yep. Yep. Actually yeah. longer, two hours or so. Oh, okay. okay. Amazing. Um, and so you actually see the red blood cells, yep. um, you see the white blood cells and you, you could actually see what's going on. And it was really cool to see leaky gut at the time, like not the best thing, but cool to see it because you can actually see the strips of protein. I know that has fallen through your gut lining into your bloodstream that your body is not digesting and absorbing. And it's crazy. It's just, it's just mind blowing that you're like, cool. I'm not actually absorbing my food. This is leading to so many health issues that I'm having. Absolutely. And if I may touch upon that, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people that are listening are saying, what? How do you get protein in the blood? 
Well, we have this big, big balloon in our gut and it's called our gut lumens. And what happens is that lumens becomes leaky. It becomes perforated. And that's because on an environmental standpoint, we are exposed to so many viruses, bacteria, parasites, environmental factors that make that gut leaky, that make that gut lumen have perforations. And that's how we're seeing food in the blood sample is because it's coming out of that perforations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when I recently tested with you a couple months ago, I was so curious to see if leaky gut was going to come up again for me. Um, although my, my symptoms right now are, are presenting differently than when I was, you know, 16, 17, when I first saw you. Um, and it didn't, and which is so interesting. Um, because I feel like I learned so much through my first experience with you of how to heal the gut lining through like aloe vera juice or L-glutamine or like these different things that actually can repair it. I constantly go through phases of like adding that to my water or buying aloe vera juice like through the years since then. And so I was actually super proud that leaky leaky gut didn't come up again. Yeah, you Um, look good. Mm -hmm. You looked really good when I looked at you on the leaky gut standpoint. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we found out that I'm dealing with parasites and that was very interesting. Um, So I've been dealing with like some skin issues in terms of like bumpiness and texture um, and was kind of at a, at a point and it just happened so that you wanted to send me a test. Um, I was kind of at a point where I was like, I don't know what's causing this. Like I'm pretty healthy and trying to take care of myself and I couldn't really figure it out. And so to find out you have parasites and mine were like pretty significant Mm -hmm. um, was very, you know, it's kind of disheartening, but it's also kind of nice because then you're like, oh, this could be the reason. Let me heal this to get results. Mm-hmm. And these parasites are one that are environmental. These are nothing that you've done wrong to get these parasites. Mm-hmm. They're a formative amoeba. They're in our water. They're in our food. They're everywhere in our environment. And you in itself are a very outdoors person. And this is where we're picking it up by being more outdoors and so on and so forth. Um, But I find when I look at food or lettuce or tomatoes, skins or things like that, there's an incredible amount of little microscopic parasites that are on our food. And we just must clean our food so much better than we have. Uh, But it's a huge component of what, how it's coming in. Eating sushi, eating takeout all the time can also bring in a numerous amount of takeout because their cleaning practices may not be in place. So it's just, we're exposed to this so extremely and most likely there there is 90% of people out there are showing parasites. It's an infection in the body and it can create symptoms. And in your case, the parasites are trying to, your body's trying to get it out. So what it'll do is it'll detox it through the skin. The skin is the biggest organ. And this is where we start getting, you know, itchiness. Sometimes we get hives or rashes and things like that, that a lot of Western medicine will go towards more food allergies. Well, yes, I look at that aspect, but I also look at what's happening in the microbiology of that bloodstream that can be creating an infection in the body. And we see this quite frequently. We can see male 
worms, female worms. We can see all sorts of different things on a microscopic level. And when we start addressing these things, you may actually see some parasites come out in the stool, which, you know, always is kind of a shocker when that happens, but it means that you're getting rid of what mm-hmm. you need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of gross if you think about it, just like these little parasites in the blood. And then when you, you see it, you know, on photos or video with you, you're like, oh, this is, this is inside me right now. Like, let's just get this out. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. And so I went on a, uh, parasite cleanse, um, which was herbal based, which is my like preference. And I've done something similar before. And it was so interesting. I feel like when I started the cleanse, my skin got better and it was great for like 10 days and then it flared up for two weeks and then it got better and now it's like in the middle. So I kind of went through this like cycle. Yeah. That's interesting. So that tells us we may need to support the lymphatic system a little bit more. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because you're not clearing everything you need to clear, why it's coming in kind of phases. But it could also be that we've drawn out some other parasites from the muscles, from, you know, different areas of the system, uh, which could be kind of the system that we're at. We're kind of in a a pattern, a holding pattern. So we may have die off, things like that. So it'll be really interesting when we retest you to kind of see where you're at and uh, perhaps what we've drawn out and what we've cleaned up. Because the follow-ups are just as exciting as the initial appointments. When you've done the work and you can see the change in the blood, it's, it's, to me, it's the most exciting things. The follow-ups are really, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why I just ordered another test. Um, because there's no point in doing this work without confirming that you've actually cleaned up something, right? I agree. Like you have to retest and make sure things are better. Um, And it's like that with most tests, like it it really is worth doing the follow-up. So other than skin issues, how else can parasites, environmental parasites present themselves in people? Wow, I see a lot of different symptoms coming from parasites. Um, it's it's quite an incredible thing, and it's something that Western medicine isn't looking for. They don't believe that these parasites can exist in the body. But like I said, these are just amoebas, okay? However, um, in a lot of circumstances, it can create bloating, digestion, pains in the stomach is a big one I have come in. I ha- get a lot of hives coming in, a lot of rashes. Um, Those are kind of the key component ones that the infection kind of explodes in the body and creates those symptoms. But mostly it's digestion issues uh, that I see the most. Cool. I just, Mm -hmm. do you ever test like kids and babies just randomly? Yeah, all the time. I actually just the just about a month ago, I had a two week old that I looked at that had colic. Um, Mm. And fascinating enough that we are talking about parasites, this particular baby was fully loaded with parasites, which in the intern means mom was fully loaded with parasites. We got that baby not screaming and having uh, colitis type symptoms uh, within three days. And that was just addressing the gut health of the bloating in the child, things like that. So um, it's, it's, again, pretty interesting when you start looking at kids. Kids are a little Petri dish, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids these days carry so much more uh, toxin 
overload because of their exposure. They're not just exposed to parasites now, they're exposed to numerous variations of bacterias that again are environmental, such as caucus and streptococcus. And you may have had this, or people that are listening may have had strep throat or cockle infections in the past, but this is another uh, that I've kind of upped the ante, Brittany, since you saw me in person. I went back to school for a little bit more of a microbiology course in which I've applied all of these pathogens to my practice. So now I'm looking at not only the parasite factor, I'm looking at how much caucus and strep, which is a specific type of bacteria, am I seeing in the system? How much, you know, possibility of co-infections am I seeing? And I also look at vector bites. And what that means is, is that there we are, there's a huge, huge amount of, uh, insects that are biting and breaking the skin barrier, spiders, Mm -hmm. mosquitoes, and ticks. Um, And what I do is it's an amazing way of looking at pathogens that can come from what we call vector bites. So I do have a a specialized practice that I've opened up that specializes in co-infections and Lyme disease as well, because live blood cell is an incredible tool to be able to look at those bacteria under the microscope uh, and be able to see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And it I, is. I'm really glad that you did further education. Like that's always important. And Absolutely. there's always so much to learn with this type of thing as well. Isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, aside from parasites and potentially leaky gut, like what are the common um, findings that you're, that you see in, in patients? Yes. So liver toxins is probably the number one. Okay. Our liver is the workhorse of the body. Um, and, it, and it has to do a lot of work and we are exposed to toxins all the time. So this is where, you know, I know on some of your podcasts and things like that, you've talked about doing liver detoxes. Uh, and that's really, really important to, you know, detox that liver. You can do it through food, you, but generally doing it through, you know, using a dandelion tincture or something that can really help get the junk out of that sponge. Um, that's probably one of the number one things I'm looking for is how is that liver functioning because it has such a massive job. The other thing is adrenals. Adrenals is another big thing that we do see. An adrenal is a gland that sits above your kidney and it's only about the size of your thumb nail. And that gland has a lot it has to do. It has to help with the stress component. It has to help with hormones, has to help with women's periods, things like that. And a lot of the time, and especially in these times of COVID and the craziness, it's working extra hard. And this makes us tired and this makes us drag and it works the thyroid and the lymphatic system. So it makes everything work harder. I do additional chemistry tests in-house to check that adrenal gland to see what it's doing and how stressed the body is. Another huge thing that I do see, um, which is an additional new microbiology I've added in, is Epstein-Barr virus. And this is a, a virus that, again, we are exposed enormous amount to in our environment. Probably 80% of the people out there have 
EBV or Epstein-Barr virus. Um, this is fascinating, and this is where we are looking to see what the immune system is doing and the amount of viral fluid we're seeing in certain immune responses to see how much EBV or Epstein-Barr virus can be uh, attacking that individual. It does activate. So that's something else that I look at is, is this EBV activated, creating body pain, fatigue, mm. things like that in the body? Now, what is EBV? EBV is what mono is when we were kids. But the issue is, is back in the 80s, there was only four kinds of mono. Okay. It is completely evolved and we're at 28 different kinds of strains of EBV or monoviral strains. So it could mean, you know, I look at people and I see active EBV or EBV in their body and they don't remember having mono. You don't necessarily need to remember having it because you could have a week that you're really tired or present other flu symptoms. Um, and you've had one of the other 28 types of strains that may not, you know, shoot you down to a point where you're laying in bed. So my key components is liver, adrenals, and am I seeing any virus type of components and bacterial type of components that can be creating a lot of these symptoms? I want to pause this episode briefly to talk to you about emphys. So if you've been following me for a while now, you know that this is something that I have really been pouring myself into um, to develop for you. MVs are healthier underwear for women, made by women. Um, they protect against EMF, radiation, and bacteria. And they do that through the type of fabric that I'm using. I've started going to um, sewing classes and pattern making private lessons in order to make sure that these are very modern, comfy, and cute, and not granny panties, unlike the couple of um, options on the market right now. So this is super important. The the underwear protects the female reproductive parts, specifically the ovaries, um, from all of the radiation that's around us. So in our car, from Bluetooth, from our phone, from computers, from Wi-Fi, all sorts of things. Um, and this matters, right? Like we're learning more and more about how our environment impacts our health. And EMF is tough and radiation is tough because we actually can't see it. So it's kind of one of those things that we just don't necessarily think about because we can't like visually see it on a day-to-day -day basis, but that does not mean it's not impacting our health. And the science backs us up now. There are countless, countless studies on this, um, on how EMF can impact fertility, ovulation, pregnancy, um, also like cancer and mitochondrial health. The ovaries are actually the most dense um, organ in the body that has mitochondria in it. They have 100,000 mitochondria per cell in the, in the ovaries, like per cell. That is insane. And so we really want to make sure that those little mitochondria are doing their best, are functioning at their best. And we want to block any EMF, any radiation from 
um, impacting how they function because I want women to have healthy cycles and healthy hormones and uh, healthy pregnancy and fertility and not have further, much more serious complications in the future. So this underwear helps you get there like one step closer. Um, and so that's that's exactly why I developed it. And so pre-orders are coming this summer. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. And it has been a lot of fun um, in the months that I have been developing them. So if you're interested in, in getting on the wait list, the waitlist can be found at biohackingbrightening.com slash emphies. That's E-M-F-I-E-S. Super easy. Or you can just go to the link in my Instagram bio. Um, you can just sign up right through there as well. So definitely get on that wait list. It's growing pretty quickly. Um, and everyone on the wait list will have access, early access to pre-orders, um, which is super important because it's going to be quite a limited quantity to start, I think. So get on the wait list. Um, and yeah, if you have any further feedback, I'm always open to hear what you think and what you're looking for or even product-wise, like, um, yeah, and a bunch of you have already asked me if I'm going to be creating things for children or for men, which is very interesting, but I think we're going to focus just on the females for now. So get on the wait list, and I look forward to dropping these very soon. So interesting. Um, yeah. So if you if you see EBV um, yep. and what, one of the types or something like that, like, what are the next steps? Um, Amazing es question. Especially if a patient potentially doesn't even know that that is what's going on. You'd be surprised how much I see that in an eight-client day, half have this EBV. Wow. Um, but I would suggest specific practices. Um, lysine is really, really important if you have EBV. Uh, lysine is an antiviral and it can actually shut down what the Epstein-Barr virus is doing. Um, EBV can activate in stress and hormones as well. So this is where, you know, we go in kind of a sistual pattern where it can activate and deactivate, activate and deactivate. So it's really important kind of going, where are they in this pattern right now? So there's lots of different remedies I do use to deactivate that. Liposomal, vitamin C is another amazing one. Lysine is amazing. I use numerous amount of herbs as well that helps deactivate. And you will feel that we're starting to deactivate and starting to um, bring it, put it kind of back to sleep. The, the EBV because your energy will be better. Pain in the body will be better. If I have a client that I'm seeing, you know, numerous amounts of co-infections and numerous amounts of viral activity, I can also send to a lab in Germany to get more diagnostics. Because sometimes I need antibiotics. Sometimes my clients need antibiotics. Um, and it just, it is what it is. You know, sometimes we have to go that, to that deeper point. And this is where being able to run some of these diagnostic tests will enable your family doctor to give you particular antibiotics to help uh, with the EBV or to help with parasites or whichever it may be. 
So I really want to work hand in hand with Western medicine because I need what they have to offer in some circumstances, especially with my Lyme clients, especially with my chronic infection clients, where they're just not looking for these components in the blood. And I'm able to send out to this diagnostic and be able to prove what I'm looking at in general too. If I'm saying I'm seeing, you know, all these different components, I'm able to get that through diagnostics which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So that's so, so, so interesting. Um, So in general, when someone comes to you and maybe they have EBV, maybe they have Lyme or parasites or whatever it is, um, is your, is your first, like when you create a protocol for them, is diet number one is like a herbal supplement number one? Like, like what does the protocol actually look like? That's a good question. Well, The number one thing is, what do I feel am I seeing the most of? What happens a lot in Western medicine is they're not looking for the things I'm looking at. I'm looking at different pieces why we're doing this uh, this podcast is that I look at different things than Western medicine looks at. Um, So what I would often do with things, I would put them on a herbal or homeopathic regime, depending on what I feel the root cause of the issue is. It could be so many things. And it also depends on what the individual's finding their number one symptom is. You know, if joint pain is their number one symptom and I'm seeing a pathogen called Babesia that relates to mosquito bites or tick bites, then I need to be dealing with that Babesia as a number one component Mm. and work on the lymphatic system and work on addressing this particular pathogen. So it really is very, very case specific to each individual, depending on what I'm seeing in the blood, on the numerous different infections that can be burdening the system. I always, always will support liver and I always will support the lymphatic system. If our clearing organs aren't working, I'm going to make you feel sicker. So it's really important to support that liver, to support that lymphatic system, to make sure you're getting this out through mucus, through bowel movements, you know, through urinary tract. Um, so, and this is how we release these things. Sometimes as I'm addressing things in people and I, you know, we have on herbs, we have people on a protocol, you know, it may bloat them more. It may, you may have sometimes symptoms to go along with that. Uh, and that's me imploding the bacterium and bloating the parasites um, are killing them. And we have die off happening in the system, which I think is a little bit what happened to you when you had that breakout happen. A little bit of die off was happening, which can make us so tired, which can make us, you know, drag or wanting to sleep a lot more because our immune system is working so much harder. So there's a bit of a mountain you have to climb when we're getting rid of these infections or addressing these viral components. Um, And this is where, you know, getting over that hump is important and then you're smooth sailing from there. But it's really important to to support that liver and lymphatic with anything you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's always like that with most health protocols is kind of, yeah. it's kind of uphill in the beginning and yeah. then it gets better and you get used to it and your body adjusts um, and you start to actually heal and, and more in exactly. depth. Um, yeah. 
are there like particular things that you see with women that you don't see with men and like vice versa? So that's a pretty fascinating question. Um, I do see more Epstein-Barr virus in women than men. So okay. that's definitely something I do notice more of. Um, however, I can't say that, you know, that's, I would say the percentage difference would be like 10%. Okay. So not a huge, huge difference. Obviously, hormones, I see a lot more in women if they're having estrogen fluctuations, progesterone fluctuations. Uh, I see a lot of that where men don't swing in the hormonal aspect as much as women swing. Um, I do often see more adrenal fatigue in win women, and that's because of the hormonal component right. as well and how it's working. Um, but those are kind of the key three things. Mm -hmm. As for the pathogens and the bacteria, it's about the same. You know, every individual, I never know what I'm going to get when I sit down with them or when I'm sitting down to look at a sample. I have no idea what I'm about to see. I can look at the symptoms and see, you know, they're having joint pain or stomach upset and maybe think what I'm going to see, but it usually surprises me. Mm. It usually, and that's what makes my job interesting from patient to patient is, you know, I'm looking at something completely different on a microbiology level. Right. And so for men, is there, is there anything that's more common with them? Not necessarily, but mm. often, uh, if you know, if they're getting a little bit older, I may be seeing prostate issues. Okay. Um, but there's nothing kind of pressing to say, Ooh, I see this more in men. Um, than, you know, females. Usually because it's one big organism and the blood is the blood, you know, this is where it's pretty even Steven between women to men. Mm -hmm. I do often look at animals as well. I look at dogs and cats. Oh, interesting. Because it is. Um, because of the Lyme disease factor. That gets really interesting too, putting the puzzle piece together of what the person has or the client has, and then I look at their animal and what the animal has, it's pretty interesting putting that puzzle piece together because our animals, we have a different relationship with animals than we ever have. They sleep in our beds. We love hug and kiss them. You know, they're our babies. And this is where they can carry a lot of these pathogens and a lot of these parasites too, and be giving this back and forth. So sometimes we have to address our animals or cleaning up the whole family family to get everybody to the same standpoint. Cool. Yeah. That makes a it lot, is. that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. for Lyme disease, do you see it in females and males pretty much the same? Lyme disease is, uh, pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for numerous different infections. So when I'm looking for Lyme disease or components to Lyme, because you can have Lyme on its own and you can have co-infections on its own. A tick is a predator. It's waiting to bite. Okay. It's waiting for that blood. It's, it's literally like a little vampire. So it's sitting in a tree waiting for something or somebody to walk by to drop and bite. And that's the shocker of the ticks and why we're seeing an influx of Lyme and things like that is because mm. we're seeing an influx of ticks an influx of, of different things carrying this mosquitoes and spiders and so on. It is. So you can have Lyme on its own, you can have Lyme with 10 different co-infections, 10 different viruses, because these ticks could bite numerous deer. These ticks could bite numerous bunnies. The bunnies could be carrying different viruses. And this is the issues between crossing that blood barrier of animal to human is they carry different things. This is why we're seeing so much more 
information coming out in regards to tick bites, Lyme disease. So there's numerous things. There's Lyme I'm looking for, which is also called Borrelia. There's different kinds of Borrelia. So when I'm looking at somebody, I can go, okay, this is a European strain of Lyme. This is a Canadian strain of Lyme. That's pretty fascinating in the big picture to be able to mainstream to a point of where did they get this? I had a girl recently that, you know, I had exploded this and I said, I really think we're looking at Lyme here and I'm seeing a more European version. Well, she lived in Spain for four years. Hmm. So we were able to almost timestamp wow. when she was, she got the Lyme disease. She was also showing in numerous people also often show other co-infections called Babesia. I often find people will come in with fibromyalgia or arthritis. And in the big picture, it is a diagnostic standpoint that I don't believe fully exists. Okay. Mm -hmm. I see certain pathogens such as we call it Babesia, such as Ehrlichia, which can create these um, infection type feeling in the body or or fibromyalgia, or inflammation in the body, because these are living in our red blood cells. They're hiding. They're so, so tiny that they're able to bus ticket around the body. And this is where it creates symptoms. Babesia is not and cannot be found in Western medicine very easily. Either can Lyme disease. Our Canadian public health uh, test for Lyme disease is not great. They're only looking for the American, or the uh, Canadian Lyme in our public health Lyme disease, which numerous, over half the people coming in are carrying the European version of Lyme because they've traveled, you know, they've gone to the Caribbean, they've gone to UK, um, and these ticks, spiders, even sand fleas, um, you know, bed bugs, they all can carry these vectors because they're mm -hmm. crossing the blood barrier. So we are seeing com complete influx of more of these type of vector type pathogens that are creating an insane amount of symptoms in people. And I believe this is our new epidemic. Mm. I believe I'm already on top of an epidemic that hasn't even started yet. And I think we're going to see, and it's terrifying to think of this, but in the next 10 years, I think we're going to hear a lot more about Lyme disease. I think we're going to hear a lot more about co-infections that relate to how bugs are changing our microbe in our body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been hearing more and more about Lyme disease in the last couple of years, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting that there's like skepticism around it and if it's actually a disease or not, right? Like, yeah, like, and that just blows my mind that there's people out there who say like Lyme disease doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, when there's so many people talking about it. And yeah. yeah, I think it's gaining more and more popularity. And I just think of, I don't know if you know this, but um, Justin Bieber has Lyme disease and completely, and which is hilarious. Yeah. But it's so good that he actually talks about it because we actually are increasing awareness around it. And people are like, oh, wait a minute. My symptoms kind of line up with you. Maybe this is something that I have. Yeah. Um, and if you do have Lyme disease and, you know, you see this in somebody's blood, regardless of where it's come from, yeah. is it like, can you reverse it 
through protocols or like, what does that look like? You can, that's a great question. You can put it into remission, mm. but unfortunately the bacterium is so stealth and divides and multiplies so incredibly that you can only get people into remission wow. once. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of talk about vaccinations yes. in, uh, with Lyme, yeah. and it wasn't approved on numerous circumstances. Um, so it's still kind of sitting in regards to the vaccination part, but it's only a vaccination for Lyme. It's not vaccinating for the co-infections that these vectors do carry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's because they can carry, like I said, 10 different co-infections that could be creating it. So people can have Lyme and 10 different co-infections, or they can just have the co-infections. My job is to figure out what is it? What do you have? Is it Lyme or co-infections, or is it just chronic infections in, in general? Mm-hmm. So in terms of like pre- preventative health and preventative medicine for something like this, um, like, of course you can't like fully shield yourself the, your yep. whole life from like yeah. a, a tick or something like that. Um, but if you have a very strong immune system, like can you, even if you get bit by a tick, like can you fight it off so it doesn't turn into Lyme disease? Like I just don't fully know the the mechanisms here. So, yep. Okay. So you use it for the people that are listening that get a tick bite or think they have a tick bite or see a bullseye, you need to have antibiotics. You need to go and run at least two weeks of a particular antibiotic, most likely doxycycline. um, And you would go to your family doctor and do whatever you can to get the antibiotics. It's really critical that you run antibiotics at the very, very beginning because of how that bacteria divides Mm -hmm. and conquers in the body. The antibiotics will help stop that. But if you've had a tick bite and you've been walking around with it and so on and so forth, there's lots of ways to bring you back to normal, but you can get flare-ups here and there. The most important thing, though, is always doing tick checks, always checking the body, But if you show any kind of bullseye of any kind, um, which would be a dot in the the center and then a circle all the way around, that's our telltale sign that possibly Lyme disease has entered the body. A tick can bite and literally be on you for two minutes and you can get the pathogen called Babesia. Mm -hmm. But for Lyme disease, the tick has to be on there longer. It has to be a longer... Um, that it, it embeds in the skin for that Borrelia bacterium to enter the bloodstream. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's, that's good to know, though. That's good to know yep. to look for that bullseye that you're talking about. Like, I yep. didn't even know that. Um, yeah. Very important. And, mm-hmm. you know, for the people that are listening, this is uh, something that even for the people in BC, it's incredible shipping me samples to have me look mm-hmm. to screen for Lyme. Mm-hmm. And then I can guide you in the right direction. We may need antibiotics. We may need to do a herbal supplement. You know, it depends. In BC, you guys are blessed because you have naturopathic doctors that can prescribe antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Here in Ontario, we don't have that. We only have MDs that will prescribe antibiotics. 
Now, on a herbal standpoint, there's lots of herbs that can really, really help with Lyme. And there's lots of foods. Diet is major. You want to, if you have even, you know, the parasites and bacteria, Lyme, co-infections, all of this in the body, you want to take the toxin overload off of your body. So you need to support liver through eating asparagus, eating beets, you know, things like that, that helps detoxify that liver. Um, Again, parsnips is an amazing food to help drain the lymphatic system to help with the adrenals, the endocrine system. So there's lots of food suggestions I will give people to say, okay, eat this way because this is going to help support the body while I get you over the hump. I use berberine a lot. Mm. Berberine is like my number one go-to. It is a natural antibiotic and it implodes a lot of the bacteriums that I do see on a day-to-day basis. Um, But you have to be careful because you don't want to overdose that and implode too much bacteria. And next thing you know, you've got the client having more symptoms because you've expedited things in the body. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Have there been any new trends that you've seen in the last year and a bit with COVID? Like any, like more adrenal fatigue from stress or, yeah. So I can't personally look at the blood and go, ooh, this person has COVID. Mm -hmm. But we're starting as all my, my technicians and myself to figure out what the vaccinations look like. We're starting to figure out what the bacterias look like that is in individuals' bodies that have had a bad case of COVID. So I've been looking at a lot more people that have started becoming vaccinated. Um, and that's pretty interesting where I can almost tell what by what their immune is doing or the type of immune we're seeing an increase of, um, such as macrocytes or certain things like that, that would indicate, you know, an overactive immune system. Um, but in the manner of COVID, I'm not seeing and looking going, okay, I've got a COVID footprint here. Mm-hmm. There's viral indications. There's certain things there that I would say, hmm, okay, that doesn't look right, but I'm still putting all the research together um, on, on the viral component of it. What is the immune doing? What is the vaccination doing? Um, but I can now look at people and go, I think you've had COVID because of the bacteriums I'm seeing. And I've had numerous people that know they had COVID and have seen me and unfortunately are having latent effects. What that means is is that after having a COVID, the bacteria is so strong in some people because everybody gets COVID differently. You've got some people that are in bed for a day and then they're bounced right back. You've got some people that are very, very sick. So it depends on how raging the bacteriums or the the type of bacteriums we're seeing in the body is. And if I've looked at these people uh, for numerous years, I know what their blood looks like. And so it's odd for me to see if they think they've had COVID, a expedital amount of bacterium that relates to COVID in their body. I can tell that they're still battling that bacteria. So my job is to clear that out of the system and kind of bring the blood back to as sterile as possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, it's very interesting. Just, yeah, it'll be interesting, I guess, in the next couple of years to kind of touch base back on this and like see yeah. what you found, if there are exactly. commonalities, because um, I'm sure there will be. 
I'm sure there yep. will be. Um, I agree. But you also see other things too, like uh, low B12, yep. um, anemia, I think is one as well. Exactly. And uh, is that common, like those things as well? Absolutely. B12, a low B12 is pretty common. We use up our B12 so much in stress um, and our cells. Some of, the, some of us don't methylate our B12 as well, which means they don't absorb the B12 mm. they're putting in the body. Some people aren't taking their B12 properly. They're swallowing it and B12 should be put under the tongue and dissolved that way so it can go straight into the bloodstream. Um, so that is a huge thing I see where I'll say to people, you know, you're low on B12 and they'll say I'm taking B12 and it's that they're taking and swallowing it versus having it dissolve under the tongue. Iron is another huge thing we see. Parasites can eat your B12 and iron, so they could be depleting us in that. Um, so that's definitely something as well. And of course, it's so interesting when you start looking at what the immune system is doing in conjunction with some of these deficiencies as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty comprehensive. Um, it, yeah. which is cool. Cause yeah. So I'm getting my partner Ryan to get tested as well. And, and he actually just did the parasite cleanse with me too. Um, but he, you know, we did his blood a couple, I think in 2018, just like a traditional yep. blood test. Um, and he showed that he had low iron and which is very rare for men to actually have low very. iron. Mm -hmm. Um, and now we're getting him tested again, also through our doctor, um, because again, he's presenting with symptoms of like anemia. And so okay. I'm so interested to see what your blood test is going to say, because again, yep. like it's not common in men. So I don't know where this is coming from. Yep. It can come from the parasites using, utilizing the iron and the yeah. B12 in the body. Yeah. Um, so that it will be interesting when we look at him uh, coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Um, do yeah. you, do you ever take samples from the States? We have a lot of listeners in the U S so right now with COVID it's on hold. I can't get the blood across the border. Okay. Uh, but once the borders reopen and we're out of COVID, yes, absolutely. We can go back and forth. We pure later, uh, so that I get it within, you know, 10 to 20 hours. Uh, and then I'm looking at a really good sample. So it's coming. It's just, uh, we need to kind of get out of this, uh, viral standpoint we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, this was awesome. I learned so much as I knew I would. Um, where can people find you and how can they connect with you? Amazing. So I have two websites. I have shannongregory.ca and I also have microcellsciences.ca. Um, if you go on microcell sciences and you want to ship me a sample, there's an area that you can go to um, and you can purchase the ship. The shipping of sample, I try to keep this very affordable. It's $135. And then depending on the province you're in, um, it depends on how much that is. It ranges from about $20 to $35 for the shipping to get it back to me. Um, so very affordable to get a good snapshot. From that point, you'll get a telephone call from me after and we will go through all of the results because you need to be explained mm -hmm. um, and interp interpret all of what I'm seeing um, and how to address that. So that's all in that price. So, uh, but it's through my Microcell Sciences website. Cool. Yeah, and I will mm -hmm. link all of that in the show notes and on my website. Amazing. Um, so people can find you and Amazing. yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This thank is really you. cool. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. 
As always, feel free to screenshot this episode and tag me if you'd like me to respond. I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you have a question about your health, my DMs are always open and I'm currently taking new clients. Thanks and see you next time. Thanks.